Well, welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to episode number I do not know because I don't know when this episode is going out. I am the ever professional podcast host, Alice Benham, here with this week's co-host, Harriet. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, AB. (laughs) She went in with the AB. Honestly, I cannot tell you how joyful it makes me that AB is finally sticking. I have spent years trying to solidify that name. Well, I was listening to one of your other podcasts the other day and you said that your friends call you Ali. And I was like, oh, no, I've only ever called her Alice. (laughs) I just find it interesting, like different. I I know where someone has come from in my life via what they call me. I guess. Do you have the same with Harriet? How many abbreviations can we go for there? So family call me Hattie. Okay. That has not gone into adulthood. No, we don't want that to go into adulthood. I go by Harriet or sometimes Harry, but I will literally answer to anything. And since my business, people have shouted, Ray. And I'm like, that's my middle name. Oh, I rate that. <laughs> I always find it funny when people name their business something that's like somewhat close to them, but isn't their full name. And people just fully assume it is their name. I really enjoy that. For context for people, Harriet's business is called the Cornish Ray. That's me. Hence why people call her that. I don't know why I feel the need to share this, but we chatted about this in the kind of pre-chat before hit record. And I just think the listeners need to know that right now your sausage dog called Sully is sat, in order to distract him from not interrupting this podcast episode, he's sat on the sofa listening to a medley of Justin Bieber's greatest hits. And if that is not where everyone wants to be right now, I don't know where it is. Well, since I started doing on it, it's like I will do any sort of plan that keeps him quiet, distracted. But otherwise, like if anybody drives past the house, he will bark. So we've got Justin Bieber on a nice low number 10 volume. He's wrapped in a blanket. He's eating a strawberry. He's happy. Oh, you're honestly summing up my dream scenario right now, Harriet. Like this is this is quickly becoming a bit of a fantasy, but I love that. And I think Zoom pet distraction is something that, you know, who would have known that would be part of your job when you run a business and work from home? But it's definitely one of my highlights of my work is seeing pets in the background. You know what it's like on, on it? We had like a tortoise once. That was the highlight. Probably across the desk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a dog and a cat, you know, I've seen before, but a tortoise. <laughs> Shout out to Amy Cook. Anyway, uh, let's get into this episode. Let's begin with a little bit of high-low. Previous listeners of the podcast will be very familiar with this. I used to do it every single episode. And then I think when COVID hit, it was just one of the many things that fell off. I don't really know where it went. It wasn't a very intentional decision, but it went. Uh, And I've missed it because I'm a bit of a narcissist. I was listening back to some old episodes the other day. I was like, you know what? It's nice to have that bit of context before you get into the chat and you never know what you're going to end up talking about. Um, So if you're not familiar, high-low is something that I learned from a childhood best friend. Every time we went over for dinner, you had to share your high and your low. I like to do low-high so that we start on a low and end on a high. And it can be from life, business, today, the year, whatever you fancy. Putting you on the spot, Harriet, would you like to begin with a low? Oh, the pressure. Pressure, which uh, I've got two lows, depending on which direction you take yours in. So if yours is a really like deep, serious low, I've got one for that. But if yours is more like, you know, my quavers were off when I ate them yesterday, then I I can go in that direction too. Oh, nobody likes a a stale crisp. Nope. Um, I'm going to go life because it, it, it is the biggest low. Bring it. Will be April 2018 when my husband of six months had a... Uh, brain injury but I was playing rugby uh, I watched it happen probably wouldn't wish it on anybody but 
because of that low, there has been so many highs. I mean, it was eight weeks and that eight weeks in my head is, takes up probably a year. Mm. There, there's, there's memory gaps. There's a lot that happened in those eight weeks that completely changed my thought pattern, the way things happen, my relationship with Ben, how I deal with things. And those eight weeks completely changed my life. And I look back now and pre-Ben's accident, I don't recognise anything in my life and why I stayed so unhappy in jobs for so long. I've got no idea because it was a waste. I love how even though that is such a significant low, and thank you for sharing that, by the way, like you said, it, it already can turn into a high. You know, we wouldn't be sat here right now. Oh, no, we definitely wouldn't. <laughs> I would have never met the infamous Sully. You wouldn't have began the Cornish Ray. That's really powerful. And we'll obviously get into that more than this episode. So I'll take a hint from that. I won't go down the stale quavers route of my low, just understandable. I think my low, this is going to sound really weird, but my low is like a past Alice low that I don't think I realized it was a low until now I'm no longer in the low. Does that make any sense? Yeah. I look back at particularly lockdown me when I was living on my own, pretty isolated, basically just working all of the time, but my work wasn't the most joyful thing in the world or definitely wasn't as joyful as it could have been or is now. And I feel quite sad for that past me where I'm like, oh, that was a real low. But it's funny because, and I'm really glad of this, it didn't feel like a low at the time. I think it was, you know, you almost don't know what you're missing, right? So I was like, okay, yeah, this is life. This is what it's like to be an adult. I guess everyone feels this way and this is just kind of the way it is. And I felt absolutely fine at the time. But now that I live with someone else and my business feels a lot more joyful and interesting and exciting. And I guess we're out of lockdown. I'm like, oh no, this is, this is me happy. I'm not sure that was the happiest version of me. It's so strange when you hear other like, other people's version of lockdown. Like if we were in regular jobs and had been furloughed, I knew people that had the absolute time of their life. They had absolutely nothing to do. They watched hours of Netflix. They played games I know as self-employed people, we worked every single day. Yes. And I think a lot of us went into survival mode where I, I don't know about you, but I really struggled to innovate in lockdown. I mean, partly because what you could do was so limited, you know, we couldn't host events, we couldn't be out and about. But I think because it was like, oh, we just need to survive. It was almost continuing to do the things we'd always done. And I don't feel that my business really move forwards throughout lockdown always like even financially my business has kind of stood still for the last year and I credit or blame whichever direction you want to take it a lot of that to lockdown and how I think it forced a lot of us just to put our heads down and be like okay how does this work now and we almost couldn't think that far ahead but yeah you're so right I had two friends who were furloughed for a year and they had oh I mean you know privilege plays a role they had the finances and the space to enjoy lockdown I appreciate fellow wasn't the dream for everyone but they oh my god they were just sending pictures in our whatsapp groups let's just meet them in the end yeah <laughs> you're pissing me off you haven't too much fun I mean I think those of us that did just go into survival mode I think coming out of or like post-covid life I think a lot of us feel differently about work and I, I don't feel I don't feel jealous of the people that managed to have loads of time off and they were able to do whatever they wanted. But I do think it's kind of made us a different breed of people, maybe. Or like our thought, our thought pattern is slightly different. 
Yes. I saw, I don't know what it was. I think it must've been an Instagram story by Fiona Thomas recently. And I think she was talking about how the government hadn't released any kind of support for business owners in a latest announcement shock. And I think it was her or someone else, but she shared it had said that's because us as business owners are the tough kids that like the parents and the teachers don't think they have to check on because they'll just figure it out themselves. I was like, that is so true. Like we are just, I think a different breed. We just get on with it. And sometimes to our own detriment, we probably do with a bit of help sometimes, but it is amazing what we do when we need to work it out. That literally goes straight into my high. Bring it. (laughs) So basically surviving 2020. Amazing. I love that we're still celebrating that in November, 2021. It is a high. I remember sitting on the sofa in March and I was like, right, okay, so they're telling me I'm not allowed to go to work, but my work is in the garage beneath me. Okay, so I'm being told I'll try for universal credit. I'll take any help that I can get because if I'm not allowed to deliver pieces of furniture, if I'm not allowed to go and deliver paint, then I've got absolutely no income whatsoever sat on the phone for two and a half hours waiting for universal credit. No, Ben earns too much. And I was like, okay. So Ben is, I'd say, probably average wage earner. That's not enough for two adults to run a house. Mm. And he was furloughed as well. So he was taking 80% of that. And it was like, okay, that's fine. And I remember sitting there thinking, okay, well then we'll just make it work. I'm not going to take, if the government aren't going to help, that's fine. Didn't qualify for any grants, business, anything, because I'd only been self-employed for six months at this time. Yeah, that was such a hard part of it is how many people couldn't access the support that they did give. Every time I rang and spoke to somebody, they were like, have you been self-employed for longer than a year? Because it will just go off your first year's books if you get any help. I was like, no, literally September. But right, okay, no problem. We'll make it work. Mm-hmm. And And we did. We're here 20 months. Yeah, to tell the tale. It's very impressive. I mean, 2020 and 2021, mental years, aren't they? But But just a blur, like it's all like mangled in one. I would agree. I almost can't process it fully. And I think you won't be alone with only just processing 2020 at the end of 2021. And I think that's an amazing high. And I think one that all of us as business owners could take a moment now to step back and kind of praise ourselves for of like we made it however you made it whether your business massively grew in lockdown whether you sustained whether you took a step back and now you're revisiting it whether lockdown was what prompted the start of your business I think for so many of us you know in five years time 2020 will be something that we credit where our businesses are to doesn't mean that we would choose it over not having had a global pandemic but I think it's a great way to look at things where challenges don't have to be all negative there can be positives that come from it which I think will be a bit of a theme for today's episode and I'm going to follow your route there of the high being quite linked to the low because part of the reason why my low is me realizing I haven't been high not physically (laughs) I haven't felt super not high why I could just said the same thing um was because right now things do feel really good I to just in the like I, I just probably am going to sound really smug but things are just going really well at the moment and they are super full-on and quite challenging and there's a lot going on but it almost feels like everything I haven't done over the last year and a half is happening over the next two months and it's just very exciting and in two hours time I'm announcing my new business and there's 
lots of fun stuff happening this week. So my high is all of the good things, but hopefully people can see the context behind that, which is that I think it's easy to think every business all the time is full of highs and launches and new things, but it's, I think I talked about this in a recent, not even recent, earlier this year episode of like there's seasons of winter and seasons of summer. And I think for me, the last year and a half has felt like a big old winter, like sowing the seeds, preparing the ground, waiting. And now it feels like a bit of a season of summer, which is quite nice. And your Instagram notifications have, the bell has been pressed. Mm, woohoo! Ready for the big announcement. I mean, when this goes out, people will know about it. Should I tell you the name, Harriet? Oh, the one I found isn't the one, is it? Oh, which one did you find? Productive. Without the, <laughs> no, that was the, um, that was the second, second place name. <laughs> Glad I didn't go with that one because I think every time someone would say it, they wouldn't quite know how to say it just as you did just then. I don't know why I did a peace sign for a V as well. <laughs> I wish this was a video podcast. People would have loved that. No, the new business name is On Paper. Yeah. Love it. You get it? Get your ideas onto paper. Yeah. Get paper products. Life changing. Mind blown. Mind blown. So anyway, that's a good highlight. I've enjoyed that highlight. I think I expected that to take a real surface level turn. I was fully ready with my quaver chat, but I enjoyed that bit of reflection and self-celebration. So Harriet, we met through my International Women's Day giveaway where each, what is it, March? March each year? I think it's in March, isn't it? March, yeah. Yeah, each March I do some form of, giveaway is the wrong word for it. That makes it sound like I'm like the National Lottery or something and I'm turning up at people's doors with a big check. With a huge check. <laughs> you have won, no money, just time on Zoom. Congrats. Uh, but no, each year for International Women's Day, I think it started it in the first year of business. It's been quite a few years now. I give away some spaces to one for, to one-to-one coaching and also to any group programs that I've got going on just to kind of help make the space that I'm in more accessible and give that support out to people that might not otherwise been able or wanted to access it. Well, hopefully they want to access it. Anyway, I'm going down a tangent. That is how we met. Now, you'll have to jog my memory here. Which March was it? Was it 2020? It was March 2020. Wow. Yeah, we scheduled the call for like the first week of April. And I was like, okay, my first insight into Zoom because I literally haven't been on a computer since I left my day job. I was like, no, we can, we'll, we'll just stay off the computer, live, just live a creative life. So Zoom virgin. And I remember sitting there like, okay, Alice is going to sort my life out. <laughs> I'm so honoured that I was your first Zoom call. I had no clue. You never told me that at the time. Would have loved it. Well, I remember choosing your application or it, your, the reason your application really stood out to me was because of your story which you've alluded to already of how was it the September of 2019 in the autumn of that year um no so Ben's accident was the April of 2018 oh well I was fully off there <laughs> congrats so me. this is where it becomes a bit blurry so April 2018 was Ben's accident And then I had eight weeks of where my mental health went massively downhill to the point where I had a complete breakdown at work. I was a special educational needs teaching assistant. So I was working with children that had experienced trauma, children on the ASD spectrum, a whole a whole range of things. So it was quite a high intensity and like it took a lot of brain space because I was looking after children who 
um, had additional needs who on a daily basis just struggled to get by and having to be on high alert at work because we'd get hit, punch, kick, spat at. It was like you had to be, you had to have your guard up the whole time. And then having Ben at home, who's still got his rugby friends, having to not babysit him, but he couldn't be alone. So he was sat at home and then I'd get home and I'd be like, okay, I don't really know what to do. I can't sleep. Mm. I can eat. And I managed like two weeks of work in just like this high alert, didn't really know what to do with my brain. And then two weeks worth of no sleep um, was just enough to send my brain into a very dark space. So I left work and luckily work helped me get in contact with a trauma counsellor and Steve, I owe all of this to him because he completely changed my mindset. He helped me work through everything and he sat, I think it was the end of like my third or fourth session of basically where I just word vomited a load of stuff on him about six, the, the past like six months. And um, he was like, you need to build new brain pathways. So you need to do something that you've never done before, just so your brain can, instead of going down all of these routes, because there'd be different triggers for my nightmares, the panic attacks, it, I'd basically just go round and round the same things in my head all the time that he said, you need to do something that you've never done before to build new brain pathways. And then you won't end up in a loop again. Sure. So I'd sat for hours and hours, literally like not even touching the remote YouTube when I was signed off, it would just go from one video to the next. And somehow I ended up on a video about hinges as in like door hinges, cupboard door hinges how to fit different hinges to things. No idea how I ended up there. I, I didn't search hinges, but ended up on the DIY side of TikTok. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I've never built a desk before. I'll build a desk. Our computer is currently sat on a coffee table. I'll do something. And all of this was just like prep for when we got back from our honeymoon. So um, eight weeks after Ben's accident, we were due to go on our honeymoon. and he didn't get his fit to fly letter until like 48 hours before we left. So we had no idea whether we were going to be able to go or not. And I was like, okay, that's fine. When I come back from our honeymoon, I'll build a desk. I've got the six weeks of the summer holidays. That's fine. So I built a desk, put it on Facebook. And then six weeks later, I was spending like 10, 12 hours a day in the garage, building stuff, painting stuff soaring stuff mm -hmm. literally doing anything that was not sat on the corner of the sofa watching DIY YouTube videos and that's where the Cornish Ray first began it was a pretty accidental business right oh massively accidental <laughs> I was like okay that's fine we'll, we'll just go with this hobby it was I was buying saws paintbrushes mm. I borrowed a sander from Ben's dad and like looking back on it now, it was like a triangular one from like the 80s, sawdust going absolutely everywhere. Took so long just to sand like one tiny piece of wood. But we, you have to start somewhere, don't you? You absolutely do. Humble beginnings. So you were about eight months into kind of 
I guess it's hard to pinpoint the date it all began, but kind of eight to nine months in from kind of first starting with furniture as to when we were working together. So I guess even you've got a big evolution happening there from the first time you made that desk to then us sitting down and you going, yep, I would like mentoring to work on this business. But even if we then jump from when we met, so March 2020 to where your business is now, I mean, things have massively (laughs) evolved and changed for you. One of the reasons I wanted to get you on the podcast is because I think you're a, a walking and living example of what it looks like to have a business that's in a constant state of evolution, where you're not staying the same, you're not stagnant, but you're also not boxing yourself into a rigid plan. And I want to be exactly here in three years time. I think you've done an amazing job over the years. And perhaps the the fact that your business started so organically is maybe part of why you run your business in this way and actually just slowly evolving and changing and shifting. And I'd imagine now you have a business that two years ago, you would have never imagined running. Absolutely not. (laughs) Now feels like a great fit. Is that an accurate assumption to make? Yeah, completely. It it was never supposed to be a business. It was supposed to be a hobby. And that hobby, I'm very grateful, turned into a business. But I don't have a business head mindset. So I don't have like the big grand plan, like the business plan, the the five-year plan. That terrifies me. Mm -hmm. Like I'm lucky if I know what I'm doing in two weeks time, just because of I know how quickly things can change. So the fear of planning, it's not a family joke, but my sister will sometimes be like, I know you don't forward plan, but we need to put this in the diary. So just like put it loosely if we're going to do something. But yeah, I'm known for not planning anything. And if I get an idea in my head, I'm kind of like, no time like the present. We'll just put it out there. I love that though, because I think, Although, like you said, there's, I'm, you know, there's pros and cons to every mindset and approach, right? Yeah. But I think unintentionally what you've landed on there is a really healthy approach to business because when you don't necessarily plan too far in advance or in a too kind of detailed way, you're so much more open to what you're going to learn and how things are going to change based off of the action that you take. If you were to sit down and go, right, I exactly want to be at this point in three years time. So let's reverse engineer it. Here's everything I need to do to get there. Well, then the first time you would come up against a no or something didn't go how you expected, it would feel like the whole world is crumbling around you because suddenly this master plan can't happen. Whereas I think when you have a clarity of like, well, here's roughly where I want to take things or here's what's important to me about how my business feels or looks or works for me, but what that looks like and how I actually get there, I'm pretty up for finding out along the way. And you're saying it like it's a negative. I think that's a good mindset to have. Oh, Sal's just started barking. Sally's woken up. Justin Bieber is no longer. Oh, maybe, it's, him. maybe it's just a load of adverts now. Um, the, the one thing that you taught me was that I needed to start paying myself because I was still treating it like a hobby, like mm. 18 months in. I needed to start paying myself because all of the money that I was earning from it was just going straight back into the business. I'd go and buy more tools, more paint. I'd just find something to spend the money on. But I took a temp job for the kind of nine months in between leaving my old job. And I just said to myself, I I just need to earn my teaching assistant wage, which was just under £10,000 a year. So I knew that I didn't have a huge target to hit until I thought that I was, I'd class myself as successful because 
I was earning the same as what my teaching assistant wage would bring in. Mm. And because of the lack of forward planning, it was just a case of, okay, what can I do to make 400 pounds? Okay, well, I'll do two pieces of furniture and hopefully sell three cartons of paint. That's 400 pounds. Done. Okay, what, what is it for the next month? That's how my brain worked at the time. And uh, okay. you taught me that I need to take a wage from my, what was, what is my business. So it kind of felt more like a business than a hobby because I was still treating financially. I was still treating it like a hobby, but in March, 2020, it had to, there was a little bit of a, a shift that said, it's not a hobby anymore because you don't actually have another job and we don't know how long this pandemic's going to go on for. Yeah. So little and often every Friday still to this day. And I tell all my friends about it. So all of my other furniture painting friends, my friend, Jordan, I said to her, she was like, I don't know what to do about money. I was like, every Friday, pay yourself mm-hmm. just, just every Friday. And since then there's not a Friday that I've missed. That's amazing. Profit first and Starling. That's the Starling bank. Everything is in a space. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And like you said, it is a, it's a mindset shift, isn't it? Like the practical stuff is important, but the practical will follow when you step into a mindset of, no, this is a business. And I guess it's deciding like, what is a business mindset for you? You know, for some people that more structured and rigid planning might suit them. I say might, I've, I've yet to come across someone where that like, you know, here's my exact five-year plan and exactly how I'm going to get that works for them. I mean, I had to fill out for this business I'm launching, I'm getting funding for it. And I had to fill out an application. It's a, um, a loan, not a grant. So you have to explain to them like how you're going to make money and pay it back. And they want to know like what turnover I'm going to make at the end of year three. And I kind of just wanted to write in the box, like it will be doing great. What that looks like, I don't know, because I am open to the change and the evolution. Thank you very much. <laughs> I didn't say that. I just wrote in some fake figures. So I got some help from the, the Prince's Trust at the start of this year. And they were like, we kind of need to have like a rough business plan with a cash flow forecast. And I'm somebody that if I if I say that that's what I'm going to do, I, I once I've committed to it, I will follow it through because I've given somebody my word that I'm going to commit to something and I found it really difficult if I say that I'm going to make eight thousand pounds that month and if I don't do that then I've let myself down and I've let the other person down so all of this like business planning and forward planning for things that we d- we didn't even have that I didn't know how much the rent would be and I found it really difficult like you need insurance okay well how much is insurance who knows until you put in that quote to get insurance. So we're we just going to put a guessing figure. And I hate the fact that the majority of it is guesswork. Mm. I guess it's the same on Dragon's Den when then they all end up stumbling over their words because none of their numbers make sense. <laughs> they don't actually know how they've landed on those figures. And of course, there's an important you know, side note to make here where I think it's a balance, right? I don't have spreadsheets full of cash flow forecasts that tell me exactly what my bank account is going to look like in six months time. I do have the assurance and the knowledge that my business will make money over the next six months. I'm not just, you know, I think it's careful not to make it seem like we're just winging it completely because there is a an intention yeah. and a, a knowledge there, but I completely agree. I think that 
sometimes a level of detail and planning can actually be detrimental. And like you're saying, I think one of the things it can do is it sets the expect. It just sets not even a high expectation, but just one expectation of like, okay, yeah. so success means this plan. Failure means anything other than that. When actually in business, there are so many things that are unexpected that perhaps in the moment feels like a negative or a challenge. But when you look back, was fundamental because it taught you a lesson or it shifted you in a different direction. And I know from the way that your business has evolved, like that's been very true, right? Like you, if you don't mind me saying, even kind of in the last year, had a vision of like, right, here's a a way that I want to take my business. And then when that unit felt through and it didn't work, I'm sure in the moment that felt like a real negative, but is it in enough hindsight now to see how that was perhaps a positive thing for your business? So I worked from January to June working towards getting this unit and in the the space of 24 hours it was like that's not going to happen anymore on one day and I was like okay right so what do we do now and within maybe 48 so I went and viewed another unit on the Monday and I was in it by the Friday and it was like, okay, so it was obviously supposed to happen. I wasn't supposed to get the workshop space that I wanted because if I had got that space, I'd still be waiting for it now because it's not finished. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And my friend said the other day, she said, imagine if you were still waiting now. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I can't work from home. I mean, I know you can see on Zoom that there's literally boxes and boxes behind me, but I needed somewhere where I can sand for hours on end and pull my van right up to the door so I'm not lugging furniture up and down stairs again and I found this unit on an industrial estate and it's worked perfectly I mean it's a massive financial commitment but it was the right place right time and obviously the workshop space that I had in mind that wasn't right because I waited so long for it there was way too much planning And yeah, everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. Now I've got my name on a sign, like a huge sign when you drive into the industrial estate. And a physical space. I'm interested when that, when the first workshop space fell through, were you immediately into a mindset of like, right, let's find the next thing. It's okay. That's not obviously not the right thing. Or was there a moment of the like, I'm a human. This is really annoying. I kind of just need to feel the feelings for a minute. More annoyance mm. because I was I was working out of my mum and dad's garage and just logistically it was a tiny space just I, I needed something else and I just had my heart set on this place and it was like right okay so what do I do now because I need to earn money I'm still not getting any help it's still just me one man band what what do I need to do okay I need a space we'll just see whether we can find one. Mm. And then, I mean, I tend not, I'm more of a, I'll panic prior to something happening. I think like managing chaos in chaos, I tend to stay quite level-headed, but it's the pre, if if there's something just about to happen, that's when I lose my head. Yeah, it's because it's it's a bit uncertain still, right? It's like once you know what's, it's like a, just a lack of clarity. Once yeah. you know, okay, it's not happening, then it's like, right, game on, let's find the second plan, let's go. Whereas it's the 
the kind of pre-decision anxiety of like, I think something might be going wrong. I don't know if it definitely is. I completely resonate with that. And that is just to like apply it to another example. When before Polly and I made the decision not to continue the product range together, I just had a gut instinct that that was going to be the decision that we would make. And actually the anxiety of that decision was so much worse than the reality of it. Because as soon as you've made the decision, it's like, okay, this isn't the end of the world. Let's just figure out the next solution. And so often, exactly as you've demonstrated, the second option is actually the right one and the better one. You just can't always see it at the time. And I think that's what allows in business all of those little challenges and no's and doors close not to be negatives. But actually, I see them, you know, if you think like a game of pinball, when those little toggles are like flicking the ball around. I think when something sometimes goes wrong in business, it's actually just a bit of a nudge of redirection, isn't it? Of like, nope, we need to go that way instead. Mm. Yeah, that's true. As long as we're going somewhere, that is the point. I'm interested as your business has evolved over the years, you know, as your vision for what you want to do with it and what, what the Cornish Ray looks like has changed and you've added to it and all of that good stuff how have you made sure that the business still serves and works for you and I guess you're not changing so much that your non-negotiables begin to get sacrificed so I through therapy I now have learned you don't have to do things that you don't enjoy and that don't serve you Mm -hmm. so I've to a point taken that to the extreme of where if I don't want to do something, I just won't do it. If I've been up, I mean, I've been asked to paint stuff in or use like gold foiling on furniture. And I'm like, no, unfortunately, I can find you somebody that will, but I don't enjoy doing that. So I'm not going to do it. Mm. And I'm, I'm going to do that personal life and business life if I enjoy doing something. So a couple of weeks ago, I, I was going around a load of car boots, antique fairs, and I was collecting loads of bits that like I really like, but Ben is like, mm, do we need that? So I was like, well, I can buy and sell them because I think they're pretty. I think other people might think they're pretty. So I added like a little thrifted collection to my website where like all of the little trinkets and bowls and stuff that I find when I'm out serve my purpose and bring me joy because I buy them and they fill Ben's joy because they come in and then they go out again and they don't (laughs) stay (laughs) I love that and I've loved seeing those things within your business be added in and change obviously the constant has always been the furniture but seeing and it it always will be I think it always will be and maybe that's a point to make as well of being you know shifting and evolving a business so much I think having a central point that always stays the same is probably quite important so it doesn't feel like your audience are getting whiplash from like flip Harriet's bringing out different things all the time it's like no there's a constant it's always furniture and it's more like the extra stuff that you get to play around with and I love that point of like being in therapy or I guess doing any kind of like personal exploration makes sure that you are in touch with how you're feeling and you're not crossing that boundary of doing something just because you should or you could or someone else wants you to but that you're making decisions that ultimately align with what you want because I mean if that's not if it's not working for you it's not going to be working it's best for anyone else I mean I hate I hate the thought of like people having to fake it till they make it like that analogy like 
why would you spend so long faking something if it's mm. just not right for you? In terms of like fake it till you make it of like how you feel within your business or that like hustling, you know, hate it for three years and then you get to enjoy it kind of mentality. I think it's probably more not maybe business owner related, but when you mm. see like people in the corporate world, like they they do it to get to a point and then they yeah. hit burnout and then they have the big realization that actually working 12 hour days with a two hour commute isn't fulfilling and then but then I guess they need to go through that to be able to have the realization that that's not serving them yes it's just difficult to watch people and you sometimes think do you really enjoy doing this is this bringing you Mm. is it bringing you joy Mm. I mean I'm the first person in my family that's ever gone self-employed and I was met with um a lot of hesitation and is this the right thing to do? How are you going to earn money? And it was a case of, well, if I don't earn money in three months, then I'll go and get another job. Like, I just don't need to be in a job for 35 years to then get my retirement and then not get any joy from life. Mm. And I mean, it's always thinking, isn't it? Like, what is actually the risk? Like you said, it's three months. Okay, three months and then I learn and then we figure out the best way and to as, do it as long as you've got enough to survive so to pay your rent or mortgage to buy your food that's your essentials isn't it mm-hmm. as long as you've got that I mean I don't I'm not materialistic I don't like expensive things I don't really have very expensive taste I mean I work with thrifted items and, <laughs> and things that generally are doomed for the tip so I'm quite happy to take something that somebody doesn't want anymore or he's going to end up in landfill and make it look pretty again I love that great mission with those extra things that you bring to your business and sell and come up with and all those ideas that you have as you said almost the first test is does it excite you do you want to do it obviously the next set of questions is well do other people want it are people going to buy it does this make sense for my business how do you think that through do you put stuff out there and just let people's behavior tell you what they think do you do market research do you just feel like you know your audience really well what does that step look like market research what's that (laughs) an instagram story with a poll on it i think that counts yeah i tend to uh, i spent i used to spend a lot of time on instagram stories and i'd always be having conversations with people and i tend to do what not gets the most attention, but what people ask for. Mm. And I will trial that. I mean, every time I put a poll up about what color should I paint this, a lot of people press the pink button. So I've done several things in pink and nobody's bought it. <laughs> Maybe it's one of those things where everyone likes the thought of it or they like it for someone else, but it's not yeah. for them. And that's a good point of not all data should be used to inform decision-making. But I mean, I think because it's something that I enjoy, I mean, I'm quite open, especially with Instagram, because that's where the majority of my business comes from, that like I am more than happy if somebody isn't enjoying what I'm putting out there, they are more than welcome to leave my space. Like I'm not, I've never been hung up on followers. I've never been hung up on likes or comments. I will put out to the world what I find joy in. And I just Mm. hope that, 
there's somebody else that gets joy from what I do. And as long as they line up, I'll just keep, keep going. I'll do what makes me and them happy. Mm, I love that way of looking at it where it's not necessarily about working out. Okay. How do I make sure this works for my audience and this works for me, but actually go, well, let's start with just what's going to work for me and trust and know that that's going to bring in the right people where this is then going to work for them. I'm interested. Do you think, you know, from what you're saying, you have such a clear focus on your business, bringing you joy and serving you. Do you think that links to, because you started the business for you and it did begin as a hobby and almost it becoming a business was a, a byproduct of that. So I guess it's still serving that very first primary purpose of bringing you joy is really important bringing me joy is the like the sole reason I do it but it still feels like therapy every time I do a piece of furniture it does feel like therapy so Mm. every piece has its own little story I mean I give all of my furniture names they have personalities I tend to talk to them um (laughs) we need cctv in your um studio oh no you do not (laughs) No, you don't. <laughs> so just you and Sully chatting to each other. And then whenever anybody turns up, if I've got my headphones in and then like, you can just see them stood at the door like, hello, is there anybody there? <laughs> in your own world. I'm very much, so I've just started looking for a little part-time job because not only financially it would be beneficial, but also I know a lot of people listening to this will be self-employed. Self-employment can be very lonely mm. and a lot of people that do what I do just do it as a hobby. So they have their jobs, they do it in their spare time. And a lot of people have built up quite a following and still just do it as a hobby. And they still have all of the the regular day job. They get the fulfillment of financial gain through a day job and also social gain as well. And I don't think people realize that when you do take it full time, like it is a very lonely thing to do unless you're doing something that involves other people. And I mean, ultimately, I'd like to run workshops so other people can come and do stuff together. But I mean, I get a lot of enjoyment from the furniture, but the social side of it is very lonely. I mean, majority of the time, it's literally just me on my own. I think what that's a great and very honest as well. Thank you for sharing that reminder of is that our businesses don't have to fulfill everything in our lives. I think it can be so easy and we see it, you know, I'm probably perpetuate it somewhat to a degree of like, we can create this, this business that does become our life. And as a result of that, we expect it to do everything So it fulfills me, it brings me financial reward, it gives me time flexibility, like you're saying, it gives me that kind of social interaction, it gives me a feeling that I'm having an impact. And it's amazing if our business can tick a load of those boxes. And, you know, I would say for me, that is probably what I strive for. But for so many people, and it sounds perhaps from what you're saying, this is true for you, it's perhaps just not realistic of an expectation for your business to do all of those things. And that's okay. And acknowledging that, isn't failure in fact it's the opposite of it because it then allows you to take action like getting a part-time job or doing something else which then helps you to fulfill those things and actually as a result of that takes the pressure off of your business so your business can do what it 
does do best and not necessarily feel the pressure to do all of these other things as well I think the the mindset that a lot of people have of you or I guess it's a generational thing that you get a job when you leave school and you're in that job employers they they reward loyalty I don't think that happens nowadays much at all there's not many companies unless they're run by younger people that respect how long people spend with that business I mean I've had like 27 temp jobs because I know that if I get a permanent job if I leave that I'll be replaced very very quickly and I I don't think that nowadays having one stream of income is fulfilling so I'll just make it work Mm, I love that we'll just do what we need to do to fill the buckets and it doesn't matter how we get there as long as it's not like illegal or (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's some limits to what we're willing to do (laughs) yeah response to those things do you feel like you see success as a journey rather than a destination oh yeah absolutely finding happiness is something that both Ben and I have been working on especially the past year and I I did say at the start of 2018 I'd love to be self-employed at this point it was pre-Ben's accident I had no idea anything about furniture and I had no idea by the end of the year that I would be veering towards nearly being self-employed and I think as soon as you hit that Oh, it was Stephen Bartlett's Diary of a CEO podcast I was listening to the other day. And he said that in his book about as soon as he got the Range Rover, like that's exactly what he wanted. But he was like, well, where's the confetti? Where's like the big party once I've got what I've wanted for so long? Like, where is it? Because, I mean, it's not happening internally and nobody's popping a confetti cannon for me. So is this not actually what makes me happy? Our boundaries change all the time, don't they, with what we want to do and what we want out of life. And I think because it's not a game show and there's no end to it, what we want can change whenever, can't it? Yeah. And I think that's where, circling back to what we were talking about earlier, that mindset of being open to your business evolving and changing, sometimes in a way that might feel quite quick or you know, to other people might not make sense is so important because as you're saying, you know, it's not just other things that might make you want to change your business. It's also you, your priorities can and will change and your business in order to keep fulfilling you in the way that you want it to is going to need to change as a result of that. Like I had a conversation with a client last week where for four years, her business has massively fulfilled her. It's been everything she wanted it to be. She's just gone through a real challenge within her personal life that now has completely shifted her priorities in life. And now what she needs from her business looks completely different. And she's actually scaling back her business as a result, but actually scaling back is what's best for her and actually is growth for the business. Although to others, or when you look at certain numbers, it might look like a decline. I think that's a good reminder as well of like, you're allowed to change. And as a result, you've got to let your business change in line with that I I don't think this is public knowledge I think that I think that everybody expects that unless you're growing bigger and bigger and better and there's more people involved and there's more money involved I don't I don't think there's that knowledge of or like the level of success I don't think that 
I think people see it as a failure unless you're growing and it needs to be more widely accepted that it doesn't need to grow massive to be successful. Well, I think as well, it depends what, you know, when we say growth, we're so often talking about money and like numbers of customers, numbers of clients, number of students, revenue, profit. But actually, if we look at business in a more holistic way, well, there's other factors we can measure. So our personal fulfillment the impact our business is having, how flexible our time is, how excited we feel about the work we're doing. Well, all of those things can be growing and the numbers actually be declining. So I think it's even reframing, like, what do we mean by growth? Because uh, the clients are the same thing of like, oh, but this feels this feels like failure. This feels like a negative step. And I was like, well, actually, sure, financially, your business might not be going up over the next six months as you make this change but it sounds to me like all of the other areas that I've just listed those are going up so maybe that's how we want to be looking at it success is not like one factor especially when it comes to finances I think normalize as well it's a conversation I really want to have in future with someone who's like decided to stop their business like that's an okay thing to do and it doesn't mean that your business failed you or you failed it. It might mean that, but it doesn't have to. It can just be you made the right decision for you in that moment to make a change. And that's completely okay. I mean, just because something doesn't exist anymore doesn't mean that the whole process of getting it to existence and sustaining its existence wasn't joyful for the people involved or fulfilling just because it doesn't exist anymore. We've all got the nice memories of it. And I love that word of joy of making sure that it fulfills you in that way as an yeah. ending point if you could give I'm putting you a bit on the spot here but if people are listening and they're thinking oh you know Harriet's mindset of joy being almost the not almost joy being the most important factor in her business that's something I want to adopt more of what would you encourage people with or what would you perhaps encourage them to do to maybe take a step closer to joy being a bigger focus within their businesses Stop doing stuff to make other people happy. Mm. I mean, as soon as you start putting somebody else first or doing what somebody else wants you to do, that's never going to fulfill you personally because it's not your life. It's somebody else's dream for you. And always try something new. Like the science behind how I ended up doing what I do the building new brain pathways I mean that is the only way that you can build new brain pathways is by doing something new that you've mm-hmm. never done before and who knows you don't know what might come of that I mean I could have very easily gone down the baking route because I, I wasn't very into baking and I was like yeah we'll just make some we'll make some buns we'll post a recipe on Facebook nope I chose furniture and coming up to four years later we're still doing furniture yeah and look at all of the things that that's brought to your life experiences people lessons everything else that that wouldn't have happened if it weren't for that action I think that's a a great reminder as well of like just take some action like let's all stop getting so bothered about whether is this the right thing or am I going to be good at it or like what is it's like just do it and you never know what's going to happen and I think you're again a great example of that where that wasn't just how you started but that's how you continue to grow I always see you every time I look at your Instagram I'm like she's doing another thing and I love it because I just think you're so open to taking action and seeing what comes of it 
we don't always need a written down big plan. Sometimes we'll just put it out there, test the water. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I think especially with something new, like do it first in a messy way, test yeah. the water. And then great. If you want to turn it into a plan, you can, you've got a lot more data to create that plan with, but yeah, especially at the start just puts pressure on. Yeah. Unnecessary pressure as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it brings, if, if it brings you happiness and joy through doing it, but it doesn't serve anybody else, then, you know, oh, I can do this as a hobby. Like it doesn't need to make me money. I mean, that's a whole nother conversation, isn't it? Like, <laughs> our generation are just obsessed with turning all of our hobbies into businesses, but we will put a pin in that one and <laughs> come back to it. Until next time. <laughs> oh, Harriet, this has been such an enjoyable conversation. I feel like we get, we get to chat a lot about actually getting to properly hear your I feel like I feel like I'm speaking at you most of the time when we're in on it so it's nice to hear your <laughs> thoughts and feelings to clarify that it's not because we sit on a call and I speak at her it's a group call so I'd be a bit weird if I went um Harriet out of the 30 people here can we just have a chat that'd just be really <laughs> awkward a little bit awkward for everyone involved <laughs> oh I love it Harriet I will leave all of your links in the show notes so people can come out come out <laughs> come and come uh, <laughs> check out what you do and see all of that evolution and, and action and learning in process in what do I mean yeah. to say they can see it in real life sure and real time there we go because it's hard it's easy with hindsight to be like well that failure was a great thing now but I think seeing it actually unfold and and living it is a whole different thing isn't it because you don't get hindsight in the moment but I guess the more hindsight you have with previous things you can apply it to the current thing and be like well the last three times we failed it wasn't too bad so this the world didn't end gonna be okay no yeah the world will end at some point but i don't think our business's failure will be at the the crux of it absolutely not no and i mean i don't think maybe have brian cox on and he can tell you about (laughs) black holes and business fantastic black holes and business the two b's what a note to end on. Brian Cox, I'll be in your inbox soon. <laughs> Harriet, you've been a fab guest. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining me. And I'm a bit sad that Sally only interrupted us once. I know. Oh, delivery drivers, hey? We're getting back, don't worry. <laughs>